And welcome to the Steelers Depot live stream here on this Monday, June 12th. Appreciate you guys being here today as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready for their 2023 three-day mandatory minicamp, the last bit of action before the team breaks, and then gets ready for training camp in late July. We now know those dates. First day of practice will be July 27th. As always with me is Dave Brian. Dave, how you doing? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to everybody in the chat today. Thank you for riding along today. I'm doing well. Yeah, big, exciting day. Uh, well, kind of. The big headline here, as you guys probably saw, was uh, adding former Steelers scout Mark Gorsick on staff. And so he'll do some occasional guest writing for us, maybe be on the podcast from time to time. So we're really excited about that. So if you have not checked it out, check out his first article that discusses a bit of his time in Pittsburgh and saying goodbye. He posts a letter that he emailed to the organization as his parting words with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So be sure to check that out. As always, Dave and I are here until about 8 p.m. Eastern time. May duck out a bit early if things are a bit slow. I know it's kind of the dry part of the offseason, but we'll be here answering as many Steelers questions as you guys have. If you want to have a uh, guarantee, you know, your answer, your question being answered by Dave and myself, you can send us a super chat, no obligation to do so, but you will move to the front of the line and we will make sure that we get to your answer and or your question. I will figure that out. <laughs> I got to work on, on the question and answer <laughs> stuff here. All right. Let's it might work better if they gave us the answers or we came up with the questions uh, yeah. based on the answers. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, let's start off here with Matt Bell, who says, how much does a team's stability in coaching affect the player's development? For example, if the Steelers drafted Johnny Manziel, do you think he would have turned out better than what he did with Cleveland? Yeah, I think that's certainly an under appreciated element of development you know drafting getting them in the right system the right coaching the right culture guys that are forced to play before they're ready to when i think about brown's quarterbacks that probably played before they they should have i think about tim couch you know that their, their first overall pick whenever they came back after being away for a couple of years he probably got thrust in action too early on a bad team just didn't work out so yeah i think absolutely you know the the, the stability and structure in you have turnover with coaching staff and GMs and coordinators. All those certainly play factors. Boy, remember, you just made me think of Brand, Brandon Whedon, too. <laughs> yeah. With it. And, and, you know, the flip side of that argument, too, is you can't make chicken salad out of chicken. Oh, you know uh, what? Yeah. You know what there uh, as well. So there's there's obviously uh, somewhere in between uh, in there. Would 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 Johnny Manziel have had benefited by being in you know being drafted by another team a different you know or organization you know it's it's obviously hard look he didn't do himself any favors after that run in cleveland was over uh either and you know the whole character uh problem you know to me to me it just it, it really stinks of just a bad evaluation overall but on the flip side of it you know i i think you know there's something to be said about uh, coaching staff stability and scheme and the kind of players that you look for to kind of lower, uh, try, try to lower the risk as much as possible. Right. Sure. So, and look, I mean, uh, the Steelers, you know, obviously have drafted players that, that, you know, never even saw the field, you know, before in the, in, in the past. So, uh, I think to some degree, obviously coaching, uh, plays a part in, 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 in players development. Uh, but so does scouting, you know? Yeah. Don't mishear me. I think had Pittsburgh drafted Johnny Menzel, he's not going to become the next great quarterback, but would he have a better career? Yeah, potentially. I think coaching, it, it all plays a role. So can it take a bad player, make him a good one? Eh, probably not unless the scheme was so much of an issue in the place he got drafted that he just needed to go in a, somewhere else to play in a different system. But um, it can, and, and look, opportunity too, right? I mean, would we even uh, know about Brock Purdy, you know, right. uh, would Brock Purdy have ever really played a meaningful down in the NFL, if not for opportunity? Sure. But he was in a great system, great scheme, good structure, good play calling. And that, that helped him tremendously last year. Right. But I mean, uh, would, would he have ever seen the light of day had, had all that not happened? Right. He'd be, it, it had Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo stayed healthy. 
No one's talking about Brock Purdy. No one even knows who Brock Purdy is outside of the 49ers fans. So it, it's just there's a lot a lot of pieces in that puzzle. That's why drafting is such an art, not a science. Mike Adesso says, please explain to me like I'm five. Why do you think Connor Hayward deserves more touches four per game than Austin two or three or Washington one or two? Connor Hayward is versatile, yes, but offers zero matchup problems for defenses over hype. I don't think Dave and I said he was going to get four per game. In our projections, we had him at about, I think, 25 total touches. And some of those are going to come on those third one dives that Derek Watt had last year. So not all touches are created equal. I said there were some games where he may get four. There'll be games where he gets zero. Um, I wasn't saying he was going to get four per game. Right. And look, when you're looking at those those three in particular, here's the hope. Everybody stays healthy and uh, the Steelers really mix and match their, their personnel groupings uh, throughout the season. Uh, I don't think you can expect a guy like Allen Robinson to play, you know, 800 snaps. I don't think you, uh, you know, uh, I think Washington's snaps are going to be kind of capped. I think obviously uh, uh, Austin's snaps are going, going to be capped. You know, I, I think, and within that too, I mean, assuming everybody stays healthy, uh, there's only there's only so many so many footballs to go around in 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 the passing game, so I think you could really see an evening out uh, of touches when it comes to guys not named George Pickens, guys not named Pat Fryermuth, guys not uh, named Deontay Johnson, uh, and you might you might see a you know a fairly uh, uh, you know, decent balance between touches between the rest of those guys. Look, Connor, Connor's probably, if he, if he, if he ends up playing some fullback, there's going to be a, you know, he's going to get a carrier or two along the way within there. Uh, you're not going to use him obviously extensively in a passing game, but we've seen that he can provide uh, in certain situations, especially split out that he can uh, probably going to get, you know, a handful of touches that way as well too. You know, and we had a long conversation about Calvin Austin, obviously, this morning on the podcast that, man, it'd be nice to be able to carve out two to three uh, touches a game for him at, at, at a minimum in 2023. And Washington kind of kind of the same way. You know, obviously, a lot of that's probably going to be reliant on on Pat Firemuth's health and all like that. But I mean, you, you could you could theoretically come up with a situation where. You know what? One one and a half touches a game for Washington. Yeah, or potentially a bit more. Uh, Mike has a follow up to to our conversation and says, "But why should Hayward get any touches? Defenses would beg for the ball to go to him over all other options. He's small, slow, can't block. He made some plays last year. I mean, the Atlanta game, the Browns game in the finale, the Raiders game to close that thing out. I mean, he's not going to be the the." big body that Washington is or the game breaker that Calvin Austin is. But in this offense, as you said, it's going to mix and match personnel in the system. that's going to have a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of throws in the flat. Those are thing that, the things that fit Hayward's skill set well as an off-ball tight end um, and, and a potential fullback. So I think there's value in Hayward. He's going to, you know, and, and again, some of these will be rushes too, third and one dives. It's not going to be 20-yard plays downfield, but you can utilize them there. Get me a get me one yard on third and one or fourth and one and it's a successful play. Yep. You and, know, and Hayward uh, has the background. Uh, get me get me on second and and three. Get get me a completion for three yards. You know, it doesn't have to be all about yardage, mm-hmm. uh, especially when 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 using some of these guys. Let's see. He touched the ball. How many touches did he have last year, Connor? Fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yards from scrimmage. Uh, 178. He averaged 12.7 yards per touch. Is that right? Sounds sounds right and sounds good to me. There ain't nothing wrong with that number. Now, obviously, it's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying give him 34, to, you know, 44 touches a year. But man, you give me a guy that can that can get 12.7 yards every time he touches the football, you'll never lose the game. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure. Let me ask the chat here. In order, who will have the most number of offensive touches, most to least, between Darnell Washington, Calvin Austin, and Connor Hayward? Just offense, rushing, receiving, no special teams factor into this. Order them out one through three, the most to least number of touches in 2023. 
All right, next question is a, a little bit of a jokey one, but I want to let you address something here because it has become a topic in Steelers Nation from our friend Mutated Genome. Will Larry O let number 99 go when the Steelers trade for Chase Young? He's joking here with the emoji, but just give us kind of the quick 30-second explanation of why you, not that we're guaranteeing anything, but why a trade for Chase Young is unlikely. First and foremost, final year of his contract uh, year. So anything you give up, you run the potential risk of him being a one-and-done player if you don't trade for him and sign him to an extension. Second, I think he would be uh, doing himself, I don't think he'd be doing himself any favors signing an, an extension uh, at this point in his career right now based on what's happened the last uh, couple years. Third, uh, what you know, you'd probably have to give up at least a third-round pick, I would think you know, to, 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 to get him. Uh, next thing, I don't think he's traded at all because I, I think it's in the best interest of both him and the Washington commanders for him to play out uh, the 2023 season with Washington, hope to have a, a year similar to his rookie contract and then force the force Washington to either put the tag on him or uh, sign him or let him hit free agency and sign him to, 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 you know, get himself a good uh, free agent contract that way. Just everything, everything that you add up and then, then look at the Washington uh, commander's depth chart at edge and then subtract uh, Chase Young from it and, and, and tell me what it looks like. All those factors went into me uh, thinking that, you know, I, I will be extremely, and look, stranger things have happened, but I will be extremely shocked if the Steelers trade for Chase Young. And if Young has a mediocre season and he's a free agent after this year, which he probably will be in that set of circumstances, then yeah, maybe Pittsburgh has interest. But as a trade piece, I doubt it right now. Some of the responses to my question, Jason says, in terms of most to least number of touches, Washington, Austin, Meatball, which of course is Connor Hayward. Infinity says Washington, Austin, Hayward. Joel says Austin, Washington, Hayward. Mike says Austin has to be one. He says Washington should have more snaps than Hayward. Yeah, I think Washington will have more snaps than Connor Hayward. I don't think we're disagreeing or saying otherwise there. Right. All right, let's scroll back up. Uh, let's see. Infinity says, hello. Good evening to Dave and Alex. John Pennington says, once again, congratulations on the hire of Mark Gorsick to the Steelers Depot team. Thank you so much, John. We are excited. And the response has been, I think, universally sharing that excitement, which is uh, what we're all here for. Josh makes a good point about the draft situation, the draft question uh, that Matt asked at the top. Certainly, I think the guys with the off-field concerns, it's probably no matter where they go, unless they can handle their own business, then it doesn't matter what your scheme is, what your coaching step is. It could be the most stable environment in, in the world. Probably not going to work for guys like Menzel who are just can't get out of their own way. So fair point there. Uh, John says, hello, Dave and Alex. Is there any undrafted free agent players you would like to see at least make it to the practice squad for more development? Any UDFAs you, you want to watch this summer, Dave? Man, I can't wait uh, um, a month. Monty Potterbaum uh, to, to, to see what he has to offer, uh, not only as a fullback, but on, on special teams. Uh, interested to, to see David Perales. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and all, and all, look, I, I don't, you know, uh, I don't, the odds of both those guys as we sit here right now today probably aren't great for them making the 53 man roster. So I would, I would hope that, you know, they do enough to, to, to potentially warrant uh, practice squad consideration. So those would be the two. And look, this wasn't a huge undrafted class uh, overall. And, you know, you've, you've written and talked quite a bit, Alex, about the, you know, the couple of running backs that this team has added uh, since then as well, too. There's, there's a, there's still sits a golden opportunity uh, for somebody to rise up and, 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 and get that number three running back spot, especially if they can do something on special teams. So uh, I think both those young running backs uh, uh, warrant, even though they weren't you know, in that original uh, undrafted free agent class there, but uh, I think both those guys warrant uh, some attention the further we get along into the summer. For sure. It's one of the underrated battles, which kind of goes into a question that uh, Josh asked here, which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, I think in terms of the UDFAs, Perales to me is probably the number one guy that I'm going to watch. Pittsburgh's scheme is just friendly to some of those camp darling pass rushers. Not always guys that stick and become, you know, long-term impact players, but 
Ola Adini, Tuzar Skipper, Jameer Jones have all been guys that have caught a lot of buzz over the past handful of training camps. And well, I think Marcus Golden signing obviously muddies Paralysis' chances of making the 53. There's productivity. He was hurt in the pre-draft process, but still had a 7.13 cone. Highly productive guy that just lacks some of the ideal size. So that's someone I'll be watching for. But yeah, the running backs to go to Josh's question here about the most overlooked talking point heading into camp or related to the Steelers. Is there a position battle or staff hire that's not getting enough attention? Not that it's the most consequential one, but the number number three running back spot between McFarland, Alfonso Graham, Darius Hagans, maybe whatever free agent may become available uh, to Pittsburgh from the, the waiver wire. Um, that should be a pretty intense battle because it is truly wide open. And the thing real quick about pot pot bomb is the, those guys out of Iowa, I think, are wired a little bit different or don't have all the wires uh, all together. I, he just, I mean, he looks like a fullback, you know, and, you know, the, the, obviously the tape matches up with that as well, too. Really, I mean, he he's, he cracked some skulls uh, there at Iowa. And, uh, you know, so not only watching him as a fullback, but he, he's a guy that you think could get down there on special teams and get a football loose uh, as well, too. And if he can do that a couple of times during the preseason, you know, during the preseason, uh, who, who, who knows when it comes to that, but, uh, uh, and then, you know, as, as they just stated there, a couple of those running, you know, that running backs there in that number three spot going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So in terms of staff hires, I mean, Aaron Curry, you know, I want to see how he works with the inside guys. I want to see the, uh, what I want to say here, just the, uh, designation between the, between the defense alignment and the edge guys, they were kind of grouped in the past. Are they more separated this year with Denzel Martin kind of officially carrying the true outside linebackers coach title. So I want to just kind of see how that gets divided up. Boy, Denzel's got a nice job, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. You're a good coach. When you get to coach TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, uh, you look pretty good. Yeah. Marcus Golden's accomplished mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. All right, uh, again, be sure to like this stream. 67 people here. I'd love to get to triple digits before we wrap up at 8 p.m. Uh, Jared, again, congratulating us. Loves the news about Mark Gorsuch. So, yeah, I mean, he'll, you know, his schedule will be, it's not going to be every day or probably not even every week, but just kind of giving him free reign to write about what he wants to write about. And he's already working on his second article, which I think will be a little bit more X's and O's, a little bit more technical, um, behind-the-scenes type look. So we are excited for that. Tim Chase says, who is the starting strong safety? I think it's going to be Keanu Neal on early downs in sub-packages. You're going to see DeMonte Casey become that 60B and probably play a lot of deep half post-safety. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fair. Uh, but I think in terms now, does Neal have a role in dime? Does he kind of play that dime backer role that Edmonds was occupying more and more last season? There's still going to be an inside linebacker out there. It'll still be Cole Holcomb, but you could slide Neil down potentially, or maybe Corey Trice. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch develop uh, on into training camp and all. Uh, Russ Obenstein is here, says, Hi, Alex and Dave, and all in the chat. We had a great OTAs, yeah, and hopefully a good mini camp, and everybody stays healthy, and, and that's always going to be a good way to end the offseason work. Joel Cross, how much do you think Kenny will play during the preseason games? Will Rudolph get reps? I know that's a bit of a ways away, Dave, but your thoughts on how much, how much would you play Kenny Pickett in the three preseason games? I tell you, I'd, I'd play him as much as I possibly can. I'd probably, I'd probably dedicate, uh, you know, there's, what is it? What do we, what's it normally, normally go off of like 68 preseason snaps a game, I think is, has, uh, 64, 68. I forget what the average is, uh, in, in, a, in a normal preseason game. So let's, let's say that number 65 offensive snaps on average, uh, that's 130, that's 195. Let's say there's 200 snaps, uh, in total that the Steelers can play on offense in the preseason. I'd like him to play, oh man, 80 to 100 if you could. Uh, that might be asking a little much, but man, he's he's a second year quarterback and you know, if you if you lead and you're probably going to want to want to get some cohesion with that with that offensive line so you could leave those guys out there in front of him as well too. That might be asking a little bit much. It'll probably end up being probably more along the lines of 60 <laughs> hmm. uh and all but if i had my druthers i'd i'd, I'd I'll, I'll leave it at this i'd play him as much as i possibly could 
Yeah, I get that. I think, you know, you're going to see this offense progress and have more continuity, but the more reps they get in the preseason, the better off they'll be working together. And I think, you know, what will hopefully be a big jump for a lot of those year two guys like Pickett, like Pickens, like Warren, the improved offensive line. So yeah, I would probably just guess the mates a little based off of how the game goes and, you know, are you finishing drives or you have a three and out and it's, you know, second quarter and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I would say... 75 or so snaps sounds about right for Kenny Pickett. All right, let's see. Next uh, comment comes from Anthony Capo. Thanks, uh, Dave and Alex, for helping to keep me sane while I'm driving around Southern California listening to your great and informative podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. Really appreciate that. Infinity says, if Broderick Jones versus Dan Moore is a toss-up, who wins the battle for week one? So if it could go either way, which way do you think it actually goes, Dave? I mean, if it was a one for one, it, it, it's 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 too close to call uh, heading in, into week one. I, I put the rookie out there. Yeah, I think like Ty goes to the runner in baseball. Ty goes to the first round draft pick you traded up for if it truly is a toss up, because that means that Jones has held his own, probably hasn't been overwhelmed by a being a rookie and B being in Pat Myers, you know, a little different type of system, especially in pass protection. So if it's a tie. Jones is going to play soon enough anyway. Might as well start him out week one. Although week one, you got Nick Bosa. Week two, you got Miles Garrett. Welcome to the NFL. All right, let's see what else we have here. Tim Chase, question for you, Dave. How much cap space could the Steelers have if they redo all contracts? I don't know if that means every single contract that theoretically could be redone, but let's stick with some of the big ones and TJ Watt, maybe one other name. Oh, Lord. Uh... Or just Watt. Like if they did the max on Watt. Roughly, how much cap space will that clear? Well, let's see here. With Watt, uh, you stand to save uh, $12.613 million. That way, if you decided to do Hayward, which they shouldn't have to do, uh, I think $7.342 million there. If they did uh, Deontay, I think there's $4.71 million there. If they did a core four, well, I, I'm trying to think if a core four of this number accounts because he's already been paid uh, his, uh, his roster bonus. Uh, I think this takes it into account 4.46 million there. You could do J- James Daniels and free up, I think 3.585 million Mason Cole, 2.16 million Chris Boswell, 2.156 million. And those are really the chunks, uh, there, uh, they, they, they won't have to go that deep, sure. but, uh, uh, obviously, you know, if you had a run on injuries and you were trying to replace them with with uh, more than minimum price guys, you might run into a situation where you might have to restructure somebody else. You know, like like a Dion. I I would think that they would bypass on Hayward this late in this contract and maybe go go to Deontay or something like that and, and go that way. But I'm I I think it, it's only going to be T.J. Watt later this summer. And the only question at this point is is will it be a full restructure on him or will it just be a a a, a, a partial restructure there? So. Uh, I, you know, I, I'll be shocked if they do any anything more than T.J. Watt. And what was the max on Watt again? If you did the full restructure on him, twelve uh, point six one three. Okay, so 12.613, the number to know, Tim. Brian Jonker, is it possible for the Steelers to win a shootout with Cincinnati? I mean, it's possible. I don't want to say that they can't. They lost what thirty-seven thirty in kind of a higher scoring game in that rematch last year but they're not equipped to do that the Bengals have a more potent offense by far a better passing game better wide receivers better quarterback I mean they that's how they're building this thing so you don't want to get in the shootout could Pittsburgh do it I mean they could but it's not it's not sustainable for the Steelers oh I was looking at the wrong year here hold hold on uh wait a minute no 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 a decrease would be 12.61334 uh, yeah, I had it right. Yeah, you got it right. Yep. Okay. For a shootout, Steelers, Bengals. I was looking at, I, I, for, for some reason, I just looked up and I was looking at what is, what is, uh, what his cap charge would be. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, Brian's question, can Pittsburgh win a shootout against Cincinnati? Do you think they could? I don't think you want to get in the habit of, I yeah. don't think you go in, go in, go into it trying to do that for, for sure. Uh, and if you did it once, I wouldn't bet on being able to do it again. Not, 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 not this season, you know? 
Yeah. Look, this team, uh, uh, plain and simple, though, this team needs to score more points. I mean, we, we know that, you know. Uh, you can't, you know, either that or this defense better be lights out in 2023, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, I, I, more than anything, what I want to see is I want, I want to be able to have a just be able to easily say uh, through the first, I don't know, six games of the season or so, man, Kenny really has made a nice jump. And then the second thing I want to be able to look and say, uh, man, their 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 average scoring per game is up by X amount of points. You know? Right. Don't want to miss the super chat from Jonathan Stevens with a $2 super chat. Thank you so much. Says James Robinson released by the Patriots idea of a possible running back three. I don't know what he's done on special teams. That's going to be important in Pittsburgh. He does have the size the Steelers like. Obviously had a really good start his rookie season in in Jacksonville, but he's kind of had some weirdness since with the Jets last year. Didn't really play despite Brees Hall getting hurt. New England signs him. They cut him. I'd probably let let the young guys battle it out now. If you're not happy with Graham and Higgins and everybody else, by the time late August rolls around, then you probably look at waiver claims and you know, whatever becomes available in free agency. That's probably my, my approach to the uh, third running back spot. Well, here's the thing with James Robbins specifically. And boy, remember Mike Tomlin raving about him a couple, a couple of seasons ago. We have a post somewhere on the site. I think Uh, Mike Tomlin just gushing about him. I don't know if I wrote that or, or, or what, but it's, it's been, it's been a couple of years ago. Uh, that he talked glowing about James Robinson, but here's here's the thing, and that caught my attention earlier today when it uh, when it was announced they released him. He's coming off an Achilles, I think, uh, mm-hmm. from from last year, and they that's it's not great when when you know there was no I don't think there were any guarantees involved in his contract, and here you are after uh, OTAs get done. And he can't even make it that far. Now, I have not seen the waiver wire today. I don't know if there's an injury designation. Uh, I can look that up real quick while you're looking up the other there. Uh, you know, maybe a failed physical type mm-hmm. thing or, yeah. or, or or something like that. But uh, I know he's coming off of a, a look. He uh, he when he was healthy, man, he was a little bowling ball, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know how good of a. It looks like, uh, no, it's just a flat-out waiver on James Robinson. There's no injury designation or, or anything attached to him that way. I, I'm just guessing that he probably doesn't look healthy. He's probably not over that completely, you know, showing what he needs to show yet. And, you know, the other thing about him is, yeah, we know how he is when healthy, carrying the football and things like that. But I, I don't know if we know much about him from a special teams uh, standpoint. Now, if you – look – if if he can pass a physical and he clears waivers, uh, I haven't even looked at his contract what it was. Uh, uh, but I mean, if he pass can pass a physical and it, let's say he needs to clear waivers because the price of him is a little bit too high, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him in on a on a minimum on a minimum contract, you know, mm-hmm. and, because you never know how things will shape out, you know, injuries and all like that. Uh, there, but uh, to go out and spend a lot of money on him, I no, I would not do that. So uh, the only plausible way I could see him landing on the Steelers right now at this point would be: a, can he pass a physical? B, would he be willing to sign for the minimum? Probably will have to be. I'm not sure what else he's going to have available to him if he wants to continue his career. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think Malcolm Brown's a name that I've suggested who's got special teams background and some size and NFL experience. Oh, I forgot to uh, read off the uh, Tomlin quote here. You're right. Yep, November 17th, written by you, Dave Bryan. Mike Tomlin saying as uh, Robinson's rookie year was was chugging along. What, uh, What year was that? 2020, his rookie year. Okay. Yeah. I cannot say enough about him and the respect that I have for what he's done. I read something this morning where he has run for more yards than any undrafted rookie in the history of our game through this point in his rookie season, and that says it all. Beyond that fact, when you look at the tape, his style of play is impressive. He's a deliberate one-cut guy. He's downhill. He's quick to holes. He's got good vision. He finishes off extremely well with great pad level and goes on to speak glowingly of Robinson. So good memory there, Dave. Okay. I thought I thought I remember something on that. But times change pretty look, quickly. Look, look like uh, I think with the Patriots, it was two years, four million dollars. So 
they're probably going to, I don't think anybody's going to claim no. that. Surprise even got that much to begin with. But that is why, as Dave says, it's a fungible position. Three years ago, we're talking about him being the talk of the league, and now he's getting cut in June. All right, let's see. Next question will come from, I can find it here, Wade Schmidt. Hello, Wade. Says, I really like your analysis of the Steelers' team-building strategy. Do you think the Steelers' ball control defensive basis is purposeful come late October and November? I assume that means once the weather gets cold and windy and rainy and snowy all in the same day in Pittsburgh, does that mindset help? I think it does to a degree, but the Bengals have had success playing in similar weather over the, the last couple of seasons. So I think it's a little bit less about you know, building this for the the elements, but more just about trying to go counter to the other top offenses. Don't you probably can't go, you know, step for step with Mahomes and Buffalo if you're going to try to outscore those guys. Look, those other three teams in the division are probably going to be built to, uh, well, probably not so much Cincinnati with that line. We'll have to see what happens there. But, uh, uh, the you know, uh, Cleveland's going to probably be able to run, should be able to run the ball pretty good again. Uh uh, Baltimore, you know, threat to uh, should be a threat to 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 run the football again. Uh, uh, this team's got to get out. This this 2023 Steelers team's got to get out of the shoot quick. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know, and we we've obviously analyzed the schedule when it came out and all like that. But but I you know I think there's some some winnable games earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, I mean, ideally you want to get to to winter time. Uh, in, uh, with the elements uh, and and be able to grind out wins potentially that way and and look just you know we 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 are we already expect this team to be you know to want to play bully ball as it is but at some point you're going to have to throw the football and you're going to have to throw the football successfully and you're going to have to find a way to get these explosive plays up from what were they last year 53 54 you know we, we got to see those explosive plays get get close you know to 65 or greater i think this right. year uh ross swisher says what about Loudermilk, adams and leal one of them is getting cut i think Loudermilk and adams are very much on the bubble right now you, know, you see this team bring in three nose tackles they draft benton they sign watson fahoko that's not gonna you know mean well for adams and Loudermilk. i thought was a disappointment last year that does very little against the against the pass as a pass rusher and his run defense has been middling at best. So I think those guys are certainly you know, not written in pen when they report to Latrobe. Yeah. Look, uh, I think, you know, assuming everybody on, on that defensive line under contract right now stays healthy. I, I would think that uh, louder milk and uh, Montravius are both outside the bubble right now. Yeah. Or right on it. The, the D line depth is not the strongest for Loudermilk is more D end nose tackle. I think is you got a lot of depth there, but I think Watts can play up and down. Benton can play up and down. So yeah, uh, I'm with you there, Dave. Uh, Mike Adesso further to your discussion from Friday podcast about the second position that is most fungible. I think it's nose tackle way more than guard or inside linebacker thoughts. Yeah, it's, that's probably right. I mean, the position is kind of, it's like saying fullbacks, you know, less fungible than running backs as you try to differentiate the two. Um, obviously, just with, with you know, teams going sub-package more often. Um, yeah, that's probably a fair assessment, but I was trying to think about more like every down type positions. Yeah. Uh, what happens when the Steelers go 14-3, and three, says Bossuna. Uh, it's a good problem to have. Let's, let's cross that bridge and talk about it. Come then, uh, Bossuna. Well, if they go 14 and three, there's going to be tons of kudos to hand around in several different uh, directions. That's for yep. sure. You know, Mark Conlon uh, got a lot of lot of praise. Boy, uh, uh, man, if this team goes uh, 12 and five, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I think same situation there. I, I I think, man, what you know, I I tell you what, I I don't have them winning 12 games right now from where we sit. I mean, obviously things can change between now and week one. But uh, I, I view kind of 12 as as the as maybe the high potential ceiling from where we sit now. If they hit 12, if they hit 13, 14. I mean, uh, you want to talk about really blowing out uh, past expectations? Yeah, uh, I don't know what number it's going to be for me in my head. Win a playoff game. I don't care what your regular season record is. Get in the dance. Win a playoff game. Do that. You know, get that that drought over with, that's kind of where I'm looking at to uh, define a successful Steelers season. John Pennington, do you see a way for Elijah Riley to make the 53-man roster working in the slot? Probably less so as a true slot guy, but just as a versatile DB. You know, if he can beat out Norwood, 
offer more in special teams. He's bigger, he's physical, a better tackler. I could see that. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna rule that out right now, John. Yeah, I think it's gonna take something to happen for him to to make the 53 injury wise. I mean, it's it's not totally unthinkable. Once again, you 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 know you got to have these guys that play special teams, and if you have a guy uh, show up. Uh, 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 during training camp in the preseason, and that guy, you know, especially on special teams, is just tearing it up. It's it's hard, you know. You got to have those guys. You got to have those mm-hmm. core guys. And Riley is a guy that I think can potentially, you know, play, uh, be be a core guy if you needed him to be that. So uh, he's you know definitely a player to watch from that aspect. I don't know how much he gives you. Uh, you know, up uh, overall upside on the defensive side of football, you know, but uh, a lot of these guys are going to have to show some stuff on special teams to make the 53. Yeah, a lot of open spots there given the turnover of losing Spillane and Marcus Allen, Derek Watt, etc. last year. So, yeah, there's some openings for sure. Uh, Gerald Harris, any report on how Kenny was at OTAs? Sounded good, but it sounds good for most of these quarterbacks and shorts and no defense so good to hear but take with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. tim with another cap question for you dave would it be smart to max out all restructures each year to create as much money as possible for players no no and and why is that not smart well uh look you got to look at it from a cash expenditure uh uh, standpoint too and what the organizational uh, and really league-wide is you know so over a three-year span spending 100 percent of the cap uh, of the league's cap number in the league ideally would love teams to spend more than the cap over a three-year span but uh realistically that just doesn't happen uh there so uh, if you if you did do that one year and try to build a super team, you're obviously going to be kicking the can down the road on several different players. How many of those players are, are going to last uh, more, more than the first year uh, within that? You know, how many are going to last two? You know, you, you, you're going to consistently be uh, uh, outside you know, uh, uh, outside the, you know, the eight or, you know, behind the eight ball, if you will, in, in, in that instance. Now we have seen teams get in situations. uh, The saints are are one that come to mind uh, most recently uh, during, during, and and mostly a result of of COVID because they, they had a plan going one direction, COVID hit and all like that. And they found themselves, you know, uh, really behind the eight ball when it came to the cap situation. So they had to remember all the restructures that mm-hmm. they had to do. Yeah. And then you had the whole breeze thing and, and along those lines. So uh, it's, it's, it's irresponsible from a cap perspective to have to restructure so many contracts like that. Look, the Steelers have made it. Uh, uh, I mean, every off season you see them, uh, restructure one or two. It's become the norm uh, within that. But when you get into having to restructure four, five, then you create a cycle where almost you have to do that every year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 that way. So, no, it's not It's not res- fisc- fiscally responsible from a cap perspective to go and max out every contract uh, that you can to restructure to free up cap space, especially when – Cash is involved in this. Yeah, it's a good point there, Dave. Uh, everything in moderation, as they say. Got some time for a couple more questions. Let's see what else we have here. Kenny made a comment about uh, stop fearing the Bengals. I don't necessarily fear them. You just can't win the shootout. It's just not the way the Pittsburgh's built. You can beat the Bengals, just not 40-37. to 37. You know, it's a different style of game you're trying to play. That's what Pittsburgh's model is, regardless of opponent, and that includes the Bengals. Yeah, look, you 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 need you're gonna have to have your defense play like they did, you know, uh, uh, against Burrow, especially in that first game last year, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, because look, they're 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 going to be a team that's you know expected to probably win the North, and and with reason, you know, uh, 
can they be beat? Look, it, it, that's why I say there's no such thing as a trap game in the NFL because any given Sunday, uh, I mean, these guys are professionals, you know. So, but I think there's a way that you try to go about beating the Bengals, and that way is try to limit their scoring on the offensive side of the ball, get a couple of turnovers, cash in, get the points off of turnovers, run the football, kill the clock uh, that way. I mean, you know, uh, I think a, a lower scoring game. Uh, at least right now in 2023, while you're while while Kenny Pickett continues to develop, is the way that you beat really any team r- right now for the Steelers at this point. Be Eric McDay. I feel that we can be the best goal line and fourth down and short yardage team in the league, and we were good last year. He's happy about you know Broderick Jones. He thinks Najee can get 20 touchdowns. That that may be generous, but yeah, I, they were. They were, they were the best last year in short yardage. You, you right. had to study on that, right, Dave? Right, right. But hopefully that can continue. What, and be 28, 28, 28 opportunities, uh, I think, in, what was it, uh, third or fourth down, needing one or two yards. What did I say? They converted all but, but one of those? What was the one they didn't? Did Derek Watt get stuck? It was, it was Derek. It, Derek yeah. Watt was the one, was one of those. Was the one, I guess, right? Because they were twenty-seven yeah. or twenty-eight, and, and, that, so. and that's non-running backs. That was that was a non-running right. back stat. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was receivers and the quarterback sneaks were back last year. So. And I included fullbacks in there. Right, and Derek Watt, Chris Wade. How do we re- how do we replace Edmonds this year? Can't wait. It'll be Keanu Neal as kind of a box guy, the way that Edmonds was. Um, Neal is a downgrade from Edmonds. He's not as athletic. He's not. The coverage guy that Edmonds was, and Edmonds was not a particularly good coverage guy, but Neil was probably a downgrade there, but he's that box type of guy. He's played some linebacker in his career. And then in third down sub package, Casey comes out there and, you know, plays deep half, deep boast, like I said earlier. So it'll probably be a two-man mission replacing those strong safety snaps. I imagine you're going to be pretty busy charting the defense this year, Alex. Always am. Tom has it easy. He gets the same offensive line. He, now, he's got some stuff to deal with, but the defense has been eventful to chart, to say the least. All right. Uh, Mike's asking about uh, the question I asked you, Dave, in terms of the first player that you watched kind of as early in his career that you knew was going to be great. Uh, Mike's answer was Barry Sanders and Rod Woodson in Pittsburgh. Did you ever have that guy that you kind of watched his first couple of years and said, yeah, that's going to be a Hall of Famer? Man, I'm 55. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot to have to remember uh, within that. I I can't I can't sit here and and, you know, growing up a Steelers fan, too. you know, you're, you're very biased, especially I, you know, I was your typical kind of Steelers fan. I wasn't as objective as I am now, uh, kind of way. And sometimes, but look, I mean, I, I definitely remember, uh, you know, Barry Sanders and thinking, man, how the hell did he break that run? And, uh, you know, especially early on in his, in his career, uh, Emmett Smith. I mean, I played high school football against Emmett Smith. You know, mm-hmm. that guy was a man child when he played for a Scambia high school, he ran, ran all over us there. Uh, you know, there were certain guys, I think, you know, and obviously pedigree came along with that where they were drafted, where you thought, and this guy's, this guy's going to kill it. But there, there's nothing really, I had a lot going on in my life too, mm-hmm. uh, uh, way back back then as well too so i i can't sit here and just you know sit here and pinpoint you know one player in particular i think barry's barry sanders is probably a good one to note that's a that's as solid mm-hmm. as any uh be eric mcday alex is that super bowl window open for you no i wouldn't say that i think again they got to win a playoff game first you do that then you can start talking about opening this window so until you get to kind of that stage and again break that terrible streak no postseason games uh, won since 2016 then i'm not really going to talk about super bowl right but if they can do that then you know maybe you're in the hunt obviously you know you're not going to have mahomes or Allen or you know, maybe even Burrow caliber type play, but we'll see the jump that Kenny Pickett makes. And this team, I think, is going to be competitive. They're going to be in the, the wild card mix. Would not shock me if they make it in to the playoffs. Can you actually win a game? Can your offense produce some big plays? You know, score 30 points in a postseason game to win? That's going to be the question. 
Look, I'm still hammering the over eight and a half wins. So, uh, how, you know, how much can can they win a couple of those others? Maybe questionable games and get to you know ten, eleven. And you know, we just talked earlier. You know, I don't think I think a lot of things have got to go right to hit twelve. But you know, I I don't I don't want to sit here and say, oh, there's no way that this team wins twelve games. I mean, stranger thing, look what this team won last year. True. Uh, able to put together you know nine wins. Uh, when 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 it wasn't looking like they were they were even going to be able to go you know uh win eight eight or so games uh last season there so uh but yeah look i mean if if they don't if if they don't <laughs> reach nine or ten wins or, or and get in and look if they don't get in the playoffs that that's too they'll, they'll be eligible for hard knocks right right yeah two missed years without the postseason and no new head coach they would be eligible which is their worst nightmare, you, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and you know they don't want that to happen. Or, or Rudy and uh, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin don't want that to happen. We want it to happen, though. Yeah, because look, if you're if you're the NFL and, and look, you don't have any say in that, right? Right. If you you're know, in those if, categories, you're, you can't say it, no. And they would be licking their chops to mm-hmm. have the Steelers uh, on, on, on hard knocks next offseason. Yeah, I mean, there'd be no debate about it. It'd be Pittsburgh, a 100%er if they do not make the playoffs, so... We'll see, but um, let's go to our next question here from Terry Johnson. How do you guys think the pass game will look this year? It's a pretty broad-based question. Hopefully more explosive, hopefully more downfield. Um, hopefully, you know, finishing some of these drives off in the red zone. I, I don't know really where to take that question other than to say hopefully it just looks, you know, kind of... Sim- no- noticeably better. <laughs> yeah, noticeably better. Kind of like the back half of the year, taking care of the football, but hopefully hitting some of, some more of those big plays downfield is going to be one of the stats we'll be watching for very closely. You know, and, and obviously, you know, uh, just, just tw- uh, what, 12 games for, for uh, uh, tr- seven and five record for, for Kenny last year as a starter, what, 13 games in total because he came in, you know, halfway through uh, the Jets game there. Uh, his adjusted net yards for passing attempt number was 4.70. Uh, it, it needs to, we need to see that number, Man, I'd, I'd really like to see it over six, and I'd really like to see it push pushing at least seven. Uh, if it's seven or higher, this team's going to win some games, you know, mm-hmm. uh, plain and simple. But uh, not only do we want to see, you know, the noticeable jump uh, just with our eyeballs uh if it's there with the eyeballs, it certainly should follow statistically in some of these advanced stats. So, you know, I, I really hope to for us to, to to be able to say after the season, boy, that was a nice jump by Kenny. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for as well. Have the uh, full Kenny Pickett breakdown very, very soon. The video's almost uh, put together, and I'll have to upload it and all that kind of stuff. But uh, speaking of Kenny, I know Ross Swisher, the the Kenny Pickett's biggest fan is in the chat. Uh, you can, you know, make the occasional comment about Kenny Pickett. We think your opinions will known, but stop, uh, please stop spamming the chat basically about negative Kenny Pickett things. Um, you can say negative things about him, but not a hundred thousand times. We all get the perspective. If you have a question like you had about the D line earlier, then uh, feel free to, to ask that. So appreciate uh, that. Uh, Russ Obenstein says, I think fans are underestimating Levi Wallace. I think he's uh, he has a great second year. I think Levi came on strong the back half of last year, like the defense did. I think he had some injuries in camp last summer in a new team. I think he settled in nicely. Statistically, one of the better cornerbacks last year in the NFL. So um, he's never going to be an all-pro type of guy, but I think he had a good year. Yeah. Uh, you, know, how, how, you know, how long can he keep that seat warm is the question. Yeah, I mean, the, the Peterson... Is he one and done, you know, and then Wallace in a contract year, he's got some things to fight for. So a lot to look at when it comes to the Steelers cornerback room. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. Tim Chase is free agent. John Johnson, a better strong safety than we presently have. Eh, I'm fine with what Pittsburgh has. I mean, Neil's not great, but he has that kind of specific scheme role as that box hitter can, can fill the alley against the run. So with him and Casey, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm 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 fine with what what where they're sitting at personnel wise. Now, just interested to see how they how they use them. Yeah, let's uh, see if we have any more questions here. Uh, Kevin, the elder god, I could see the Steelers winning a lot of 24-17, 24-20 games, elite defense, and great running offense with rolling out of the pocket play action. Yeah, that's basically the model that Pittsburgh wants to have. They don't want to win games 35-31. 
They want to win low-scoring affairs. That's basically how they went 7-2 and two down the stretch last year. They played close until it was late in the game. Four-minute offense to finish drives off uh, with the lead or two-minute offense to uh, come back and beat the Raiders, beat the Ravens. So that is definitely Pittsburgh's model. Uh, let's see, time for maybe a couple more questions. Mike Adesso, people talk like it's a foregone conclusion. Canada won't be back after this year, but what would the offense have to look like for him to come back? I think it's possible. I mean, don't be in the 20s in a points-per-game perspective. Don't be 23rd in red zone. Put points on the board. Have some cohesiveness. Have some better constraint plays. Then Canada might return, probably returns. Yeah, look, and that's right. You know, you got at least, I think, got to win a playoff game, you know. For him to keep his job? Or it's got to be very noticeably different on offense, you know. We got to see some, once again, you got to see the explosive plays, 65 or more. Got to see, you know, like you stated, you know, the the, the red zone percentage uh, go up. You got to see more points on the board uh, in there uh, that way. And all those would, would, would probably lead to a playoff, you know, appearance right. and, and hopefully a win. You know? Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, I guess I think Pittsburgh, they don't really want to change Pickett's OC going into year three. No team really wants to change with their quarterback still pretty early in his career, change coordinators. But obviously they have to, they will. Um, so they probably wanted, they want to convince themselves to keep Canada, but obviously the offense has to be, be, as you said earlier, noticeably better for this team to actually do that. Uh, let's see. Sosters. Oh, how do you say this name? Soster, Soster will say, says I'm personally most excited about Benton from the draft. Can you explain how the D line will ideally look? I think in terms of your starters in your base three, four defense, Ogan Joby, at lefty end, Benton at nose tackle, and uh, Kim Hayward at right defensive end. Um, I think that's the, the ideal thing in terms of rotations. You know, then you may have something with Watts, DeMarvin Leal. We'll see how he fits into this whole thing. Um, that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it to start. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right where we sit right now. You know, it's going to be interesting to see some of the new guys and how they all fit in, whether or not they make the roster. Uh, or not, you know, uh, Watts is, is an interesting prospect. Uh, Fahoko, you, you, you would hope can, can, can secure that backup spot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a good, it's a good battle there with some youth, still some battles to be won. But again, I think if you have a starting three of, of a healthy, consistent Ogunjobi, Benton, who plays like he's supposed to, and then of course, Hayward's still doing his thing. That's a good foundation. And hopefully the rest of the pieces, fall into place. Uh, John Pennington, how many points do you think the team needs to put up this year? I don't have a magical number in mind. I mean, I think they need to be at least top half in scoring offense. So I'm not sure what the number is. 24 per game, we'll say. Uh, let's look back at the rankings from last year real quick. Yeah, well, what's, uh, what is like 24 points per game put them? Probably uh, right around maybe 15th, 14th in the league. They were what were they last year? Uh, 18.1 for the year. They were like 20 points per game back half of the year. Let's see. Points per game. Uh, let's see. Around uh, the middle of the league was around, what, 21 and a half points per game? Right around in there. Was Atlanta. It? Okay. Uh, let's see. That that looks one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteenth overall was Atlanta and they were tied with the Giants at twenty one and a half points per game. I mean, ideally, I think you know if you gave me a number to choose, I'd like to see twenty two or twenty three. You know, but uh, at least that, at least twenty one and a half, I would think. Yeah, that if that's the average, then then at least that. But what what if they if they had twenty four points per game? In 2023, where would that have ranked in 2022? Is that close to top 10? Uh, let's see. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They would have ranked ninth in the league last year if they averaged 24 points a game. Okay, maybe that's a little bit high for me then. Um, but yeah, I think 21, 22 at least is the number we want for Pittsburgh. All right, uh, $10 Super Chat from Tim Chase, who's asked a couple of questions tonight. So thank you for the Super Chat. Any love for Reuben Foster, who's out there with the Pittsburgh Maulers right now, trying to revitalize his professional football career? 
Um, I hadn't watched him too much. It sounds like he's been productive. Obviously, there were a slew of off-field stuff even before the guy got drafted, got kicked out of the combine, basically. So I think in Pittsburgh, they don't typically sign those kinds of guys with the baggage, but I don't know where he's at today in terms of good graces. So I, I get where your head's at there. I, I, I guess I wouldn't be 100% opposed to it. He kind of feels like a guy that if you had one of these other guys went down you know, to, to you'd bring him into camp that way. He's a little bit thicker. Uh, really, I think I, I've, I've watched, I haven't watched every Mahler's game, obviously, but uh, probably not overly great in coverage from what I've seen, more more downhill and all like that. I, I think mostly the ship is sailed. I, I think it would take an injury to, to a guy like, I don't know, like what, Muse or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, to, for, for needing a body to come in there. Uh, that's That's really the only way I could see him you know, uh, landing on the roster this summer. Yeah. Now their Pittsburgh season, if they don't make the playoffs and I think they're in the hunt, but it runs through next week for the regular season. So no one's really going to get signed until after that from the USFL. Got another $10 super chat from Adesso729. Thank you so much. How often will we see Harrison warm together in the backfield this season? The old pony offseason question. A couple times. You saw it a couple times last year. I don't know exactly how many. It'd be a good question to look up exactly how many pony snaps they had last year. I don't know, 15 or so. Um, You'll see it some, but if guys stay healthy and you got weapons at receiver, weapons at tight end, there's not going to be a lot of room to get Warren and Najee on the field at the same time. Yeah, we always have that conversation uh, about training camp time every summer because some report to come out, hey, the Steelers are using two, two, two running backs in the backfield. Then, you know, we, you start talking about it. Then you get into the season, you barely see it. Will, will it happen? Yeah, probably not as much as the, uh, the way probably things will be led to believe at some point during training camp. Never is. Yeah, never is. That's a, a good answer for it. Time for just one or two more questions. Kevin's asking about, is he wrong for thinking Chase Young and Isaiah Simmons could be had for similar mid-round picks? I think Young's going to cost more than than Simmons. I don't really know the value of both. And Even Simmons, you know, both those guys, you'd have to think that, you know, minimum, you know, the lowest that, that those teams would probably. And, you know, Simmons, when you look at his contracts, kind of in the same boat. Uh, as, as young as well, too, it's just, it, it, it's just not very feasible, you know, uh, either way there. And I mean, would those teams really want to part with either one of those guys for less than a third round draft pick? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- those guys would probably offer the team more to them than, than, than a draft pick later than a third round pick. So, uh, once again, I, I don't see either one of those guys, you know, both those guys really are best served staying put. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Simmons is more likely to get moved somewhere. I'm not saying to Pittsburgh. I just think he's more likely playing elsewhere. I think Chase Young is staying put, uh, but probably neither coming to the Steelers. Speaking of the position, Tim Chase, are you guys good at inside linebacker cover guy? Not really. I mean, Holcomb's going to be your three-down guy. He's athletic. I think he's an average type of cover guy, but I don't really know what alternatives there are at this point. I mean, Quan Alexander's not, not signing evidently. And here, you know, I talk about Simmons being in the same situation as Chase Young. They both have August 1st roster bonuses that are due. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simmons is 2.417, almost uh, $2.418 million roster bonus. He's due in, in August. So uh, much like the, like Washington, if either one of those two teams were going to deal Chase Young or, or, or Isaiah Simmons, they'd probably want to get that done before August 1st. Cause once they pay the roster, bonus they're on the hook for it at that point there uh so if any team traded for isaiah simmons at this point they would they would inherit uh uh 3.4 a little over 3.4 million dollars as far as having to pay him uh this this season now obviously uh uh chase young's uh what did i say that was over five million i think mm-hmm. uh in there uh, so once again, you know, neither one of these guys are under contract pl- past 2023. What are you going to give up to, to potentially, cause you're not going to turn around and extend either one of those guys, you know, those, 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 you know, what their market value is right now, they'd be foolish to sign long-term deals, you know, right. Uh, for, for, for what they would get. So they're, they're both, even though one's a little cheaper than the other Simmons being a little cheaper than, 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 than young is. 
it, it really just does not make a lot of sense for, you know, for a third round pick or more to give up for either one of these guys. Now, if you could get either one of these guys for a fifth round pick, which I think both those teams would be stupid to sell them off for something like that. Well, then, yeah, it changes the dynamics a little bit because you only, you know, because of what you'd give up to, to, to get either one of those two guys. But I mean, are you really going to give up a third or a second round pick? whatnot for either one of these two guys and and run the risk of only having them for 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 one season yeah i think it's all good points there i think we're in off-season fodder time with a lot of trade speculation it's generally more bark than bite i'm not going to say those guys can't be moved but the odds of them getting moved are, are less than 50 percent and then the pittsburgh in particular the odds become even lower so it's something i try not to pay a ton of attention to and i think you've done a good job kind of you know putting the cold water on both those ideas. All right. And look, if I, if I thought realistically this stuff could happen, I mean, a po- positive post about the Steelers potentially trading for a guy, uh, get a lot more traffic than they do saying is this isn't plausible. <laughs> it mm-hmm. isn't very plausible. Trust me on that. Yep. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to write something if, if I don't, firmly believe that there's there's a you know a, a good chance of it happening you know absolutely that's what the site's built on i mean it's easy and it's fun to entertain this stuff but you can't do that for every single person we try not to do that around here we try to be realistic sometimes we say guys you know could be an option but not going to say yes to every single name all right dave we're going to wrap things up here appreciate you guys being in the stream um good turnout here i think for kind of the the drier part of the summer so Dave and I will be back in uh, in two weeks from today, so appreciate all the super chats, appreciate all the support, and all the kind words about us adding Mark Gorsick to the team. We are super excited about that. Dave, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you do in these things as well, too, and thank you for everybody uh, showing up uh, during this June live stream, and peace and love. All right, there'll be an archive version of this on Steelers Depot later today. I appreciate you guys watching. Be sure to subscribe to the channel for some more content.